Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If the employee gets called back to work, received the notification that we want you back at the workplace on such and such a date, if the employee's senses or feeling is that the workplace is not safe to return to, can the employee demand the right to continue to work from the environment they've been in, perhaps their home, or do their work at the location, but in so-called off hours. What rights does an employee have in that regard? Well, that would depend if their sense or feeling about the state of the workplace is actually reflective of the reality of the workplace. And the way to do that is to bring the specific concerns to the employer. If the employer doesn't address that concern, then their next level of recourse is to go to an occupational health and safety officer uh, to have that individual inspect the workplace, make an order as to whether it's safe or not. And if the order comes out that the workplace is not safe, then that employee doesn't have to return. But if the order comes out that the workplace is safe, that's why we have that ministry, right? They are there to make those determinations, and employees cannot make those determinations um, individually. Is that happening at this time? It is. It's, it's happening a lot. I'm hearing it from, from both employers and employees, employers who are really in a dilemma, uh, wanting to accommodate their employees, wanting to make their employees feel comfortable, but at the same time, um, having some real difficulty running their business uh, where, where it's not possible to have those employees work remotely, which does happen from time to time. Uh, and employees, particularly ones who have vulnerable individuals at home saying, look, I, I really am not comfortable going back to the workplace. But the reality of this, and I think the the political reality going forward, is that everyone is going to have to make some compromises. And it's probably not going to be an ideal situation uh, for everyone. If it is safe, even if it's not entirely comfortable, even if it's not entirely ideal, if it's determined by the people who are experts who can determine whether it's safe, that it is in fact safe, then those employees are going to have an obligation to return. We really don't have a precedent, do we, here? I mean, we can have templates, we can have laws, we can have regulations. But this pandemic uh, has not afforded us, uh, or we don't have any, any any precedent over the last decades, which would allow us to fairly quickly get at it. You're absolutely right. We are, play- we are learning this as we go. We are um, making up the rules as, uh, as, we, as we see appropriate. We're following the direction of our health officials who are also learning as we go. So um, we're going to have to be patient, we're going to have to be flexible, and we're all going to have to be open-minded. John, what does an employer have to do to satisfy that the workplace is indeed safe and will be maintained that way? If you you can avoid going through the process which you mentioned, uh, does an employer have a way to to, to satisfy going in um, regulators that the workplace is in fact safe? 
Well, there's a few a few guidelines that the employment law community is sort of having getting some consensus on on what are some good common sense things to do as an employer, which will both ensure compliance with occupational health and safety regu- uh, regu- legislation and also ensure that you are making your employees feel as comfortable as possible. Well, the first, and this is the obvious one, this is one that most employers are doing, is if you are able to allow your employees to work remotely, do it. Right? That, is, that should be a no-brainer for any employers. If you can have your employees working from home, that is the best way to do it. If you cannot have your employees working from home, if that is not practical, physical distancing, physical barriers, of course, personal protective employee uh, equipment, preventing sick employees from being at work, uh, ensuring people are trained on COVID-19 policies, um, and being prepared to allow some employees to take time off if they think they might be sick, uh, directing employees to stay home if they are at risk of infecting others. These are some measures that for those employers that cannot have their employees working from home, of which there are many, uh, those are the things that you are seeing and uh, will continue to see. Where do you as the employment lawyer come into the picture? Well, my, my policy here is always better safe than sorry. I mean, the, the least, less employees you can have in the workplace, the more employees you can have from home, the less interaction you can have uh, from, from customers, uh, with customers and with clients, uh, the better. But as long as you are following the guidance that has been set out by health authorities, which is, you know, limiting the amount of people in the same area and those things that I just mentioned with PPE, with physical distancing, then we are at a point, you know, we are in stage three in Ontario. We're at our phase three in Ontario. We are at the point where uh, those activities are starting to be permitted. So uh, you should feel comfortable doing that as long as you are taking the adequate precautions. What you just mentioned to us, the process that you mentioned, the, the employers, uh, the expectations of the employers, uh, the right of the employers, the expectation by the employee, and the rights of the employees, how much of that changes, or does it all change if there's a collective agreement in place? It typically doesn't change a whole lot. Uh, collective agreements can sometimes have requirements to provide very specific kinds of protective equipment. They may have a process for resolving health and safety disputes. They may have some additional accommodation measures, uh, you know, separate lockers or uh, separate areas for employees to be in that that may not be specifically enshrined in occupational health and safety legislation. But collective agreements tend to deal more with benefits, disciplinary procedures, seniority, that kind of thing. Um, and at the end of the day, it's, it's all going to be informed by the Occupational Health and Safety Act. So th- there may be some additional details that employers that are subject to a collective agreement have to take into account, but the general principles are the same. If there is a second wave of COVID, and if it is significant, do our laws and regulations that we have in place, are, will they will they cover that, or will we just will we repeat essentially? I hope we don't, but will we repeat essentially what we've done over the last months? Well, I'm hopeful we're not going to repeat what's in in the last month. I mean, we've learned a lot from this uh, unfortunate experience. Now, many people know that we have Bill 195 uh, that's come into force. Uh, that came into force at the end of July or July 24th. So you have. Uh, the emergency orders, by and large, now expiring. But what has not expired and what is still going to be available for employees is the infectious disease emergency leave. So for those employees who are unable to go to work due to school closures, for those employees who've been directed by authorities, by their physicians to stay at home, they're still going to be able to do that. 
Um, the you know the education uh, sector is is a whole big can of worms that we're going to have to deal with, um, and you know you may see um, some uh, empl- em- employers shutting down briefly uh, to deal with the second wave uh, that uh, that may come or the continuation of this wave as, as some people are calling it. Um, but we have these mechanisms in place, at least from a, an employment perspective. The Occupational Health and Safety Division of the Ministry of Labor has certainly been working very hard to determine what's safe, what's unsafe. Our employment legislation has very broad measures to allow employees to stay home and allow employers to direct people to stay home in appropriate circumstances. So I don't think it's going to be like starting all over again. I think we do have some of these tools available. Okay. When you mentioned the education sector, the education issue could be a can of worms. Uh, in any way that you that you wish that you can that would be beneficial to our listeners, how would you address that? Well, the, from from an employment perspective, the what what people have to understand is that the legislation gives you the right to stay home only for school closures. So, if the school is open, you may not agree with it. There's a lot of controversy around it. Uh, you may have legitimate concerns about that school opening, but if there is a school available that, that is open where your children are able to attend and you choose not to do it because you are not comfortable with doing it, you are not going to have that right to infectious disease emergency leave. It's only activated in the event of impossibility. So it, it acts very much like the Human Rights Code. All these statutory leaves and accommodation obligations respond to your obligations, not your preferences. So. Uh, parents are going to have to make potentially a difficult choice. If you have a school that's open in your area where you can send your children, where the government has said, look, we have these measures in place, they're safe, we've deemed them safe, the health authorities have deemed them safe, and you're still sitting there saying, I don't really want to do that, I'm going to keep my, my, my children home and I'm going to homeschool them or, or you know, I'm going to have them attend virtually at school if that's available, that is not going to trigger a right for you to stay home from work. And that's very important. Uh, for people to know once schools start to open. Okay, I have one more question. How might the new CERB EI regulations announced by the federal government a few days ago affect the employer-employee relationship, if in fact it does? Oh, I think it will, uh, undoubtedly. I think it's going to strain, uh, in in many cases, the employer-employee relationship because you've already seen some employees, particularly those who are perhaps earning less, saying, Look, I'm I'm not hurting right now. I have CERB. I would much rather stay home where I'm more comfortable than go to work. Um, and that is going to lead to some, I, I think, a lot of disputes because on the one hand, employees think I have CERB so I can stay home. But on the other hand, um, if they don't have a reason to stay home that's listed under infectious disease emergency leave, their employer's not putting them on layoff. Their employer's telling them to come back to work. Um, as they're actually going to have to do uh, starting in September, uh, then you're going to be in a situation where there's going to be a lot of allegations of wrongful dismissal and responding allegations of job abandonment. So I, I think we're going to see some serious disputes arise out of this extension. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.